Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Game Changer podcast. I am really excited to bring to you today's guest, Marta Hatter, for a couple of reasons. One, she is actually the mother of my very first guest, Cole Hatter. Now, this was not intentional. It's it's not that I, you know, thought, wow, you know, every uh, month and a half or so, I'm going to rotate through Cole's family. It, it, it actually, uh, we didn't even cross paths until very recently when we were both at a conference together and we ran into each other a few different times. And literally, you know how you just connect with somebody and conversation is easy and you're aligned and you're so connected on so many different levels. We spent a lot of time talking about our children and raising children. And the reason this was such a topic is because this wasn't just any old conference we were at. We were actually at her son's conference. This is one, if you've heard any one of my, boy, first four episodes, uh, we're all referencing Thrive 2015, which is the brainchild and passion project of, like I said, her son, Cole Hatter. And so she was there in grand support uh, with her husband of, of this entire event, and it was a monumental success. And so, as I said, we spent time every here and there sort of chatting about raising children and relationships and the importance of relationships. And so as I started thinking about what I wanted December's podcast really to focus on, which for me is the power of relationships, the struggle within relationships, sometimes the stress around them, especially during the holidays, she came to my mind and to the forefront of my thoughts over and over again. So I reached out to her and said, hey, is there any way you can make some time here? I'd love to interview you uh, for, this, uh, for this very important podcast. A little bit about her background. She is a psychotherapist. Obviously, she's uh, very intelligent when it comes to relationships and, and how to navigate our way through them. She specializes in relationship counseling, trauma therapy, peak performance, PTSD, divorce and blended families, the list goes on. You can certainly read uh, extensively on her website, uh, revelationcounseling.com. That will be in the show notes. But as I said, this, this particular uh, episode is going to focus primarily on relationships as they sometimes can be stressful during the holidays. And so with that, I want to turn it over to Marta. Is there anything that I left out about your background that uh, we should know? I think it sounds great. And good morning to you, Michelle. Oh, see, she's so lovely. Good morning, my dear. Um, okay, well, let's just kick this right off with where I start with most folks, which is did you always know, you know, were you kind of the, the kid or camp counselor back in the day? Were you the person that everybody came to for advice? Or did you have a different plan or mission? And then life sort of through its twists and turns brought you here. What, what was your journey? As far as my profession of being a psychotherapist, correct? Correct. I did not always know that I would uh, become a psychotherapist for my profession. 
my interest in people was there. My love of children was there. We served in unorthodox ways. Went to college in San Diego. We would get financial donations from people and on the weekend go down to Tecate, buy meat for the kids at the orphanage, wash them, put medicine on them, spent the day just, you know, doing anything we could to help down there. Then we could drink tequila, swim in the river and go back to school. So the interest was there, but as far as pre-planned, it was not. After we had our three children and my youngest was three and that was cool, um, I decided to go back to grad school and then completed school, and I've been in my profession since 1991. Got it. So since this clearly has been your background for a very long time, and I know that you have worked with a wide range of folks and their struggles, and uh, and not only their, uh, their struggles, but a wide range in age ranges, at this time of year, I would imagine you, over the many years, have seen folks that like I said, kind of struggle when it comes to the holidays. What are some common things that you uh, know folks are dealing with when it comes to this time of year? Well, I think the first thing we have to be realistic about is most of us are compromised by stress and all the reasons, you know, that can be obvious. It can be trying to please uh, different areas of the extended family all at one time and be in too many places at once. It can be a background of having been very hurt by family, so the holidays are actually um, very painful. It can be uh, loneliness, people that either do not uh, live near family or do not have family that's healthy enough that they can engage well with them. So I think stress is probably the first thing we just need to uh, be very realistic about trying to maintain our self-care during the holidays. Um, the second thing, Michelle, I think would be probably to, I, I would ask people to consider not operating through the holidays out of obligation or what's expected, but to kind of do a self-evaluation and really decide, can I do this with a happy heart? Whether that's having people over, whether that's accepting invitations, how much to spend on gifts, you know, just everything that's sort of connected whether it's Thanksgiving with the gratefulness or whether it's uh, Christmas, which is usually quite closely associated with gift giving. Those, those would be primary thoughts that I have. So you bring up an interesting conundrum, I think, that most people face, and certainly women, uh, and that is this sense of obligation and the inability to say no. So what do you say to somebody who's listening right now who says, well, gosh, that's great advice, but I'm, I'm invited to maybe this work party or this neighborhood party or whatever it is, and I know it's going to be dreadful. Uh, I know that it's going to bring up even more stress for me, but out of obligation, I, I must absolutely go. What, what do you say to that person? Uh, prove it. Hmm. Why do you absolutely need to explain that to me? I need to hear more about that. Because sometimes we uh, limit ourselves by the way we look at something, and it's not actually true. Um, on the other hand, if there's something for job security you absolutely need to attend and you super, super don't want to, um, I'd say, number one, have realistic expectations about whatever the challenges and dynamics are and just sort of uh, expect that they will be there. If it's been like that, it probably will be again. And then I just really invite people to uh, look at their own boundaries 
Um, boundaries aren't something you put on other people. A boundary is something that you place on yourself, has to do with what you will or won't say, has to do with what you will or will not listen to, what you will or not do, what you will or will not do, or and, uh, also, you know, what type of behavior you'll be around. So when you're in a difficult environment, any of us, I think it's very important that we take responsibility for those things. And sometimes that has to do with allowing a certain amount of space or how how long we're there, what we do or don't talk about, so that we can uh, come out as well as possible on the other end of, you know, a difficult experience. Right. So on that note, and those are uh, really valuable tips, especially when it comes to boundaries and understanding that they are around us and not something uh, that we're letting other people know what their boundaries are. Yeah, that's really an ultimatum. People misuse the word a lot. Right. I, I couldn't agree more. So I want to give a specific example. So let's say somebody, uh, you know, this uh, upcoming uh, weekend is getting ready to go to some sort of a family function. And, you know, here's Whiskey Jim, who always drinks too much and and uh, is going to wind up uh, getting obnoxious. Or, you know, there's the typical, maybe it's Aunt Zelda, who is going to mm-hmm. ask you your opinion about the, you know, latest uh, presidential campaign. And, and no matter what your opinion is, it's going to be wrong. So if you if you know, to your point, we can, we can anticipate that if this has gone on in the past, it's likely going to happen again. So as you're driving in the car and you're on your way over and you know these situations are going to exist, what are a couple of things somebody can do to make sure that they remain grounded and maintain their own boundaries to have the best possible outcome given that situation? That was a really good question. I'd say think through it before you're in the car. You know, on the way over there, you're kind of making it uh, a last-minute thought. But, you know, for everyone, I think to assess... Who's going to be there? What are the relationships like? Who's challenging? You know, how do I do? How do I respond to these people, to this situation? You know, on the one hand, you have accept people for who they are. Be realistic. If uh, Whiskey Jam drinks too much and you know it, then just figure he's going to do it. But then on the other hand, if he's verbally abusive or he misbehaves, um, and either you're uncomfortable with it or you have children that you don't want to be on, around it, you got to kind of decide how you go individually if you're on your own or with your partner. At what point is it a deal killer for us? Just kind of decide ahead and peaceably know when you, you know, give everybody a kiss and finish the day in a different way. It's, so I guess it depends on just how strong these things are. Um, as far as Aunt Zelda goes, if she tends to be intrusive and ask tough questions, if you're conflict avoidant and that's super uncomfortable for you, I think you think of three or four polite ways to say, you know, I, I just want to enjoy the day and not get any deep conversations today, Aunt Zelda. Tell me about you. You know, just different ways to kind of respond to her that you've thought of ahead so you don't feel too on the spot or get too uncomfortable. Got it. Those those would be my thoughts on those two. No, I appreciate it. And I also appreciate you saying, you know, be mindful enough to not leave planning for these events till the last minute, right? Uh, that's incredibly great advice. And not just for the holidays, but for any time that we're really thinking through how we're showing up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more challenging it is, probably the farther ahead you should really think through what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. Like I've, I've worked with couples who have family situations that are so difficult that they, they need to put into place planning and plan and B for exit strategy before they even go and have an understanding of at what point that would take place and what that looks like. And, you know, hopefully you don't need to do it. 
But if you do need to, it's much better than staying in a tough situation. And for people that have, you know, relatively healthy families, we all have our idiosyncrasies. You know, we might get crabby when the food's not coming out all at the same time. I think we just need to really give each other the benefit of the doubt. It depends on how strong that situation is. Right. No, I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, a lot of these things that you're talking about right now um, can be found on for everybody out there. Like I said, this will be in show notes, but on Marta's uh, website, uh, revelationcounseling.com, she has on there the top 10 tips to everlasting relationships. A lot of these concepts and these thoughts, uh, if you are not in a place of note-taking, can be found on this list, which is uh, super important. And like I said, whether it's the holidays or not, one of these, Marta, that I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on is your point number six, because it is so rarely used. And to me, it is a game changer in communication and in relationship. And what that is, uh, and I'm going to uh, quote this from her website again, this is point number six on these uh, top 10 tips, is when your button is pushed, asking the person to clarify their intention. And, and why I think this is so incredibly important, I even wrote a blog on this topic several months ago, is when somebody says something and we're immediately offended, we usually go into reaction mode and then we just react to it. Instead of stopping and saying, hey, curiosity, you know, was your intention to make me feel bad? Was your intention to, was your intention to make me feel belittled? Because gosh, that's kind of how I'm feeling. And I'm not sure if that was actually your intention. Now there can be a dialogue behind the, the, the question behind the question or the intent behind it. So we have the ability to respond rather than react. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on how, how people can better utilize this skill of asking people in the time, in the moment. And in the moment, it's really difficult when something said either made you really angry or really hurt your feelings to be able to kind of step back and ask that question. Um, so I guess I'm asking you, the author of this, how is it that people can not immediately react uh, when their button is pushed and, and step back to have a reasonable conversation? Now, you know, we could talk about this for an hour. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big one. Well, let, let's try to, uh, it's very, it's complex. So let's try to simplify it a little bit. So we sort of have a way of looking at it and then an approach maybe. Um, if you consider the acronym HIT, H-I-T, and let's say H something happens, the other person says something that kind of lights up the emotion. I stands for interpretation. Uh, let's say, you know, my husband walks through the door. He's kind of grumpy. He's quiet. So what happens is he comes home grumpy and quiet. I, if my interpretation is he's upset with me and he's a butt because I had a hard day. He hasn't even asked me, you know, if I get going there with the interpretation, that then becomes T, my truth. And I behave as though that's true. Right. I, I start acting toward him as though my interpretation is true. So what I try to teach people with the HIT is change the eye of interpretation to information. And the yellow light to you, when you feel the emotion inside, you start to feel that, uh, feeling a little offended or feeling a little hurt or feeling a little uncomfortable, you know, whatever it is, a little bit of anger, that that emotion itself, you know, slow down because we, H from, eight, from something happening to the interpretation to that becoming our truth takes a second. 
So to try to catch it and to stop and do just what you said, take a breath and say, hey, when you kind of came through the door and real quiet, you seemed different than usual, I, I immediately started kind of like feeling that you're upset with me. Is, is that is that what's going on? Can you tell me what's going on? So I, I look for information and lo and behold, it's a contract at work. It could be the traffic. It could be me, but then at least I know and we can deal with it. Um, so I try to use that little HIT to make it a little bit clearer because if I can sound like a therapist for a minute, um, if you kind of picture inside as a sort of a simplified model of us internally is there's some portion of us that's like the hurt kid. There's some portion of us that's kind of the playful child. There's some portion of us that's the adult and there's some portion of us who's the uh, critical parent. Well, guess what we tend to interpret through hurt child. That it's just sort of this, this automatic thing that takes place. So we got to catch it. Listen to that hurt kid. Cause you might be right. But, but strive as we may to let the adult take over and say, hey, I'm having some feelings about what you said. Could you tell me what you meant? We avoid a lot of conflict that way. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And I love your acronym here in having people stop and say exactly that. Is this my interpretation? Um, and, and do I even have enough information, really, to make that interpretation, to assign that meeting for that to be my truth? If if I, I would say if there's one do different for folks, like I said, not just in this holiday season, but in all of their interactions and relationship, it would be this. It would be go, having the skill set to go from reacting to responding. Yeah, and it it is a game changer if you can uh, become more self aware. And nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect, but if we can become more self aware, try to catch it. And check out what's going on because we interpret through our broken or hurt places. We don't tend to interpret through the grown-up. Agreed. No, I couldn't agree more. Now, if someone is listening and maybe it's not necessarily the uh, dreaded family function that they don't want to go to or the or the corporate holiday party, but they just kind of uh, throw the holiday season into one basket called uh, not a good time of year for me, uh, a time of year that I dread. And there could be, as we've said, a myriad of reasons why that is. If somebody has assigned that truth to the holiday season being just something they have to endure or something they have to get through, what are some thoughts that you could say to that person and say, okay, I, I understand that in your past for uh, maybe a lot of very good, solid reasons, you've assigned the holidays to not be the best? Mm-hmm. That doesn't always have to be our truth, right? Just because it always was doesn't mean it always is. What would be some thoughts that you could say, hey, if you were going to consider a couple of new thoughts, a couple of new things to consider as you walk through this holiday season, maybe hold this in your forefront or in your thought and see if maybe we can open our heart a little bit to have a new meaning or new happiness or new joy that maybe you haven't allowed yourself to experience before. What would be some things that somebody you know, as they're fighting another traffic jam to get to the mall could say, I remember Marta, I remember that podcast. Uh, you know what? You know what? Right now, I'm going to think about what she said to do in this moment. What would that be? This is a great question. I think it'd be awesome if we could see what thought and answers going on in each person listening in his mind right now. We would have the best list. 
Um, you know, I think the number one step is each of us have to give ourselves permission to do what we really need. I can remember in the first couple of years we were married between parents and step parents. We had far too many families and everybody wanted us. So the first couple of years we were married, we went with friends and we went away at Thanksgiving and Christmas, we went to the mountains and um, no one was particularly happy about that, but it worked really, really well for us. And then things changed You know, when we had a family. Sometimes people need to not do what's expected as long as they can have peace about it or maybe modify what's usually done to feel good about it. And then as far as like having it be a game changer, I think being able to say, no, thank you, what's best for me is blah, 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 and that's what we're going to do, can really change the game to help someone be freer and just enjoy the season better. And for those who are involved and active, I love the idea of thinking outside the box. I mean, if you're blessed with a, a lot of people on the holiday, maybe when it's cleanup time, someone has bought a million Ziplocs, and you literally bag up every leftover, then the next day you all go out together and you give it away to the homeless at the beach or this homeless by the civic center or the homeless down by the railroad station or something like that. Maybe if you, you can get people to buy in, you say, what if we have all our electronics off today? What if today Thanksgiving or what if today Christmas Day or what if today Hanukkah, whatever it is, all that stuff's off and we do old-fashioned eye-to-eye conversation. And when the kids want their iPads and when they're bored, what if we sit down and do board games? I think it'd be a real game changer because it's so easy to do these things that we do every day. And I really believe that uh, giving gives the most joy. That's kind of how we get caught into the materialism that can really bombard us and ruin the whole thing of the gifts. But the 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 first step, the reason this all got started is we love giving that experience. So I think giving in a way that's different, giving as a family, giving one Thanksgiving, it was just my husband, my son and myself. And we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, this is no fun at all. One daughter had gotten married and moved away. The other one was out of the country with a project for her work. I forget what happened with everybody else, but we're used to like 20 people. And so we decided to go down with a nonprofit to Mexico, spend the four days building houses for the homeless. And we're not holy or wonderful or self-sacrificing humans. We went because we really needed something to do that, that helped us feel grateful and gave us an opportunity to give. And it was, it was one of the most satisfying times. And it was, you know, it was a game changer because that motivation and the uh, blessing that was for us has stayed with us and led to other things. I love it. And, you know, that really is the premise of this entire show is the Game Changer podcast with a tagline inspiring you to make a difference. I couldn't agree more. I think the greatest fulfillment and joy anyone is ever going to have is through contribution, however that may be. So I love the story and, and I love the takeaway for people that, um, hey, if, if the holidays have always been uh, kind of a drag, have kind of not something mm -hmm. you've been looking forward to, to get a different result, you've got to do something different. And it can be small, Michelle. If you're sitting home and you have Parkinson's and you're really limited on what you can do and you've got good reason to feel challenged about things, maybe 
you write a little affirming note and you sneak it in somebody in your neighborhood's mailbox and don't even tell them who it's from. You just experience that kind of joy in your heart right. of knowing instead of a bill, somebody got something encouraging. Someone else cared about them and thought about them. So it can be very, very little. It does not have to be glamorous or big or showy. But I believe that our joy comes from impacting others and connecting. Right. I, I could not agree more. Now, if someone is listening right now and they think, I, I would really like some some one-on-one Marta time. I would really like to learn more, to know more, to find a way to just become better or more grounded. What is the best way for somebody to connect with you? Um, on my website, Revelation Counseling, there's a email Marta on each page and a call Marta on each page. And I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to connect with people. I do not have all answers, but I'm more than interesting to have conversations about all questions. Excellent. And like I said, this will all be on show notes. So don't worry if you are driving down the highway right now, uh, you can jump on the website later and uh, connect directly that way as well. So Marta, we're coming to the end here. So my last couple of questions that I ask every guest, um, when this life comes to a close, and because this is the Game Changer podcast, what will be your legacy? What game will you have changed? Wow. Well, who knows? But what would I like, you know, if I if I could affect people and if I could use my life in the way that I would like to have used it? I think I would like people to say she loved well. I think that would be the number one most important thing to me. She loved well. And why is that? Why out of everything you could be known for or leave a legacy on? Why is that so important? I, I believe that we're created uh, for relationship. I believe that we're created for relationship with our maker and for one another. And um, I don't know. I just see it as the most important thing. Got it. Now, again, someone's listening and they think, you know what? I, I'm actually starting to get it. And I would like to find a way to contribute more and to make a difference. And maybe I'm struggling for any number of reasons. If you could talk to that person directly right now and say, you know what, if I could give you one piece of advice, one piece of advice, if, if you want to change your life from where it is currently to where you'd like it to be, what advice would that be? I think I would say I would like you to seek out people and experiences that are life-giving to you, whether that begins with who you read or who you listen to, I think that every single person has innate worth and value and ability. Some people have a tiny little dot of ability. Some people have a huge mountain of ability. It doesn't really matter. You have ability and you have worth and you are valuable. So being in relationships or taking in information that helps you to realize that it's not about arrogance. It's not about conceit. It's about recognizing your own value because then that leads you to identifying your purpose in life. And, you know, the whole goal is to reasonably, reasonably as imperfect people, line up what we say and do with what we believe our purpose in life is. 
So I think that would be it. You need to be around uh, draining, negative people and situations that just tax you, right? And so the, the opposite of that, to, to seek out the opposite of that, at least balance it out and then hopefully cultivate the relationships or the resources that are life-giving to you. Then you become a life giver to others, right? No, I I completely agree. I could not more highly state the intense value of choosing wisely who your tribe is, who you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, we become our environment, and that choice you need to make very wisely. All right, my dear. Last and final question: Through your entire journey uh, up until this point in life based on everything that you know, what is the one thing that you absolutely believe to be true? Now, you have to realize asking someone in their sixth decade that (laughs) is a big question. It is. Um, I would say every breath is a gift. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait to apologize. Don't wait to forgive. Don't wait to say I love you. Don't wait to reach out. Don't wait to do the repair work. Don't wait to change your game in business. Don't wait. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, my dear, thank you so very much. I uh, I said this to her, uh, you know, in person. We were at this conference. Truly, Cole is an amazing uh, human being, and. Uh, you know, you can tell why. I mean, she is an amazing mom. She has an amazing husband. They have, they're just an amazing family. And it truly has been my pleasure, not only that weekend, but now through this conversation. And I look forward to many, many more in uh, getting to know you. So thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with the audience. Well, thank you very much for your good words, Michelle. And I do hope we have many more conversations. I look forward to it. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.